Before I forget, I had a dream that Spencer Linton, in all his 170-pound, 30-something-year-old glory, <laughs> you're neither of those things, was quitting Sports Nation to play college football himself. The best part was that Jerem Jordan, after Spencer announced it on the show, was just sobbing. Coming up, how old is Spencer? And, nope. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Let's bring in one of our favorite guys. His name's Brian Keel, former BYU Cougar linebacker, NFL player. Brian, we haven't talked to you in a sec. Life's good right now as a BYU <laughs> fan. You're always about, hey, we got to beat Utah, we got to do this. Everything is happening, bro. Everything. <laughs> this is just, it's been a, a dream. It is just, it, you almost want to pinch yourself, and it's just been too good to be true. For the, the last three months, I, I guess, okay, I'll pump the brakes. Uh, a, a stupid loss at home against Boise. So that, that's, it, it, it's reality. We're just, we're, that, that's the one little, little dent in, in everything that's been just fantastic for three months. A lot of people feel like that little hiccup against Boise and that loss in Provo is ultimately what's going to keep BYU out of the New Year's Six. But Brian, we're trying to believe that there is still a path there. I'm working my uh, next level analytics to try and figure out how BYU can work their way into a New Year's Six, get into the top 11 or maybe even the top 10. But that probably includes Utah beating Oregon tomorrow. How are you handling the idea of needing Utah to win to help BYU out in that regard? <laughs> There's there's different types of, of fandom and, and rivalry participation, and uh, there's a subgroup where when the two rivals aren't playing each other, they want the rival to win and do well. Yeah, I just just can't get in that group myself. <laughs> I just boy, it just gets, I just get so much joy out of seeing them lose that um, yeah, even though it. it, it it's probably in our better interest. It's just weird. It just it feels kind of dirty cheering for that team. So um, I guess I guess you know either way it's a it's a win win um, for that game on Saturday. Uh, I believe in peace, love, and happiness, like um, the sign says <laughs> on your wall. Which, by the way, that that shot at um, at the Salt Flats is next level, dude. Like the white suit. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, I believe in those things except for Utah. Uh, I just want to put that out there. Okay. Spencer is, is, like he said, he's going next level with trying to figure out what's the path for BYU in, into the New Year's Six. Do you believe there's still a shot there for BYU? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there is. It's, it's, you know, this is dumb and dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. Um, it, it's, it's small. Um, everybody's got to lose, <laughs> basically. Uh, so it's probably not going to happen. Again, that Boise, uh, just, oh, just such a kick in the shorts. Uh, and they're not even that good this year, so it's just it's just such a dumb loss, and so so preventable. And and had we won that game, we'd we'd be looking really pretty to make it to the New Year's Six finally. But um, there's still a chance. You never know. A um, couple weeks left of college football. A lot can happen. Um, just what a fantastic year. Either way, win, lose, draw, or you know, get in, don't get in. It's just what a fantastic year. 
Brian, is this season already a success because of everything that has happened positively for BYU, which included uh, a Big 12 invitation? Then the next day, BYU ends the nine-game losing streak against Utah in front of a crowd that I thought was going to usher in uh, the second coming. It was it was incredible. <laughs> thought the rapture was going to happen. It's also included five Power Five wins. They've been perfect against the Pac-12. Has BYU? Would you already dub this as? a success this season? Oh, un, undeniably. I mean, it was a success the moment the clock struck 0-0 in the rivalry game. And for the first time in a dozen years, we were ahead. I mean, just at that point, it, it stamped the season of success. After, you know, none of my kids, none of my three children have seen that. And so it was it was nice for my my boy to see that, yeah, BYU can beat Utah and that's going to be the new normal. And so and then everything, everything that's happened since then has just been icing on the cake, cherry on top. It's just been a phenomenal year. Um, And it's and the other thing that's awesome and everybody that I talk to is the trajectory of the program. It is just headed in the right direction. There's five star, four star recruits coming in. And there's just exciting things happening. And it's just, it's just a great time to be involved, to be a fan. And, and I'm jealous of these kids coming in right now that are going to play in the Big 12 with all this new exposure and new money. And it's just it's going to be amazing. We're talking to Brian Keel on BYU Sports Nation. I do want to ask you about this year's schedule um, because the way the BYU's navigated it has been tremendous. The Cougars have never had a schedule like this and had this kind of success. Do you feel like any of the teams you played on, which were awesome, 11-2, and two, top 15 finishing kind of teams, do you feel like your teams could have navigated a schedule like this, like this group has? Because BYU's kind of built up to this season over the last several years of playing tough schedules. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. Um, I played on two really good teams my last two years. Uh, we went 11-2 and two both years and um, never lost at home, never lost in conference. We were really good. We didn't play a schedule like this, not even close. Um, and so it's hard for me to project. And I think, honestly, unbiased, I think we had really, really good football players, maybe maybe even better football players on the teams that I played on. But this team right now is more athletic, especially on the outside. They're mm. just – they're more athletic. They're, they're faster. They're stronger. Um, and so that's why they've been able to hold up against this P5 talent where the teams that I played on, especially on the outside, we just we didn't have the speed and athleticism that the team does now. And and so, again, I don't know that we could have run the gauntlet like they have this year and, and have P5. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented in, in BYU history to have this many P5 wins in a season. Um, so, I mean, that, that right there just I mean, tells you all you need to know. Brian, other than the Virginia aberration and giving up 38 on the road against a top 12 Baylor team, this defense as a collective unit has been really solid. What do you attribute that to? What has caused them to be able to show up for the most part week after week and put together solid defensive performances? Yeah, so they they, they have bought into the scheme. And I have I've, I'm not the biggest fan of the scheme. I'm a fan of the results. It's frustrating for me watching it. Um, what I what I want is is a, is just a smothering, suffocating, aggressive 
defense. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I watched um, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens and that is the Dolph was it the Dolphins. I think it was the Dolphins that blitzed every play, every guy, and because they, you know, Lamar Jackson is just the best athlete in the world, and. And and they and they were able to stop him. And I watched that, and I was like a kid on Christmas in a candy store, just loving it as a defensive player. That's that's who I am. That's what I'd like to see. This BYU defense, they've gotten results, and they haven't blitzed the house. Uh, most of the times, they they only rush three, um, but they've kept the points low. Other than those games you mentioned, and so credit has to be given to the coaches and to the players. And um, they, they've done a good job. I, what I, I think going forward as we move into the Big 12 and, and as we, we face some of the stiffer competition, I, we, we're probably going to have to adjust that scheme and, um, and adjust the way that we play. But um, they've absolutely played great, great football this year. What? Outside of tackling, we, we still need to tackle better. Yes, always. Always better tackling. Let's break down some of the why of what BYU does that and see if you still agree. So Elisa Tuiaki has talked about – Okay, we, we need a certain amount of depth because he feels like uh, he doesn't want to play any defensive players more than like 35 snaps because he says after that they just get real tired and then our effectiveness is low. And then he says he'd rather have a backup at 100% than a starter at like 80%. And Kalani Stakia said when we started, uh, when we got here, we played a ton more power fives and we got banged up, and that's just part of the deal. So it feels like BYU's tried to adjust to that. How do you feel like BYU can get to where you want them to be in terms of aggressiveness, but still have the depth to sustain the season with injuries? It's you know it's just upward mobility, and so where the team is at now is is leaps and bounds ahead where they were three years ago, and miles ahead of where they were 15 years ago when I was there, in terms of depth and in terms of talent. And so you know you look at those P5 schools, they have their starters on the field the whole time um, they rotate certain positions you know the d-line every every school rotates d-line um but most like most premier defenses premier schools the the secondary the, the starters are in there the whole game and most of the linebackers are in there the whole game the d-line rotates and you know what byu needs to do and what we're already seeing is is when we get p5 guys which we're already starting to get and there and as we join that conference we're just going to get more of them. Those guys will be able to, to last week in and week out against other P5 guys. And so it won't be the issue that it has been. Um, and, then, and then it's just a matter of conditioning. Um, it, and that's just what individuals have to do and put the work in in January. It starts in January. Um, I prided myself on, on working hard. And I, you know, my, in my life of playing football, I, I not one time did I ever take myself out of a game because I was tired. Um, I just, I felt like it's so hard to get on the field. You know, nobody was going to take me off. the. I wasn't going to take myself off the field. That would have to be the coach's decision. And that was just putting the work in in January. And so I, I had the, the ability to, to be 100% the whole game. But that's, you know, that's that's just putting the work in in January. And as we get into the, these conference and play the, this that level of opponent week in and week out, those are the things that the guys are going to have to do. Former BYU and NFL linebacker Brian Keel is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Brian, I'm at Paulson Stadium. BYU is going to take the field here tomorrow at 4 Eastern and look to really send a message against Georgia Southern. In your mind, what's an acceptable margin of victory when BYU will enter as a 20-point favorite? 
I, I'm actually surprised that spread. Uh, I would have thought it would be a little bit bigger than that, considering um, who Georgia Southern has played and their record being only three and seven, and then BYU's record. I it obviously is skewed a little bit because BYU has to travel cross cross country. Um, but I, you know, I, I think where we are as and where we where we expect if we really are the 14th ranked team in the country and we're playing a team like this. I mean, if, if we don't beat them by 30, that's that's a that's a letdown. Um, that's that's the coaches telling the players after the game. Yeah, we won, but that's not the way we want to play. And and that's no disrespect to Georgia Southern. That's just that's just how sport is. And, you know, you can you can win and not play well and 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 you can win and play really well. And, and obviously a win is a win, but you want to execute and you you want to just do everything the right way. And if we do that, then we win by 30-plus. Hopefully we see it tomorrow at Allen E. Paulson Stadium in Statesboro, Georgia. Brian, we always appreciate the time and the strong opinion. Thanks for joining us, man. <laughs> always a pleasure, fellas. Uh, I'm jealous of that sunshine. Enjoy it down there. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> I will. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian Keel. Always great stuff from Brian. Love it. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Kalani Satake Appreciation Day in Studio B. BYU football now in the midst of back-to-back years where they have been ranked in the college football playoff top 15. They hadn't done it ever until last year. And now they've been in the top 15 in back-to-back seasons. All it took was a pandemic. The Cougars have won 19 of their last 22 games overall and are 5-1 and one against Power 5 teams this season. Kalani Satake is the head coach at BYU, 46-28 and 28 overall, now into his sixth season as the man in charge. BYU is a dark horse candidate for a New Year's Six Bowl game bid in 2021. What? Recruiting is on a considerable and very nationally recognized uptick. So naturally, Satake is a hot ticket item for the growing number of high-level coaching vacancies in the college football world, USC and Washington notably. In fact, a recent article from Bruce Feldman of Fox Sports and The Athletic places Satake firmly on the radar of Washington. Jared, my question is, is there a chance Kalani Satake takes the Washington or another coaching job? Yeah, there's a chance. Um, I hope he stays, and I think he will stay. Is there a chance? Sure. So you say, and there's a chance. Yes. Um, but I, I believe the Kalani will stay here. The question is, and it's our question of the day, which we'll get to, is will BYU do what it takes to keep him and staff? The staff matters. Having Elias Tuiaki as the defensive coordinator, that matters. Having Aaron Roderick as the offensive coordinator, that matters. And Fes Sitake and these guys. It's a really good staff. And the, it, let's, let's walk through um, one of my theories. This isn't a calling in the church. We don't raise our right arms and sustain Kalani Satake as the uh, head coach. It's a job. It's a job. It's a job that a 70 talks to him about or an apostle when he's hired, but it's a job. It, it doesn't mean he's going to be here forever. He's jokingly said, I want to be the Polynesian Lavelle, a.k.a. I want to stay here forever and be you know, winning and help this school in the best way he can. Kalani Satake loves BYU. He wants to be here. I imagine he would want to be here as long as he possibly can. The Big 12 opportunity for BYU means – that the Cougars can pay the coaches more. How soon will they do it? Can they do it now? Because to keep Kalani Satake would be, to me, 
probably the most important thing that could happen in BYU athletics. Talk about a lot of important people. Tom Hummel being the athletic director and the two head coaches of the most high-profile sports, Kalani Sitake and Mark Pope. They are the right people for the job right now. All three of those guys I just mentioned. BYU needs to do what it takes to keep him. What does that mean? Does it mean double his salary? Does it mean double the salary of his um, coordinators? I'm not exactly sure, but there is a price for every, everything. Everything can be undone. You can undo a ceiling in the temple. Everything can be undone, okay? He's under contract. He can just bounce, be bought out. BYU needs to do what it takes to keep him. What that means is to be determined between Kalani and staff. I'm guessing Kalani would say, make sure my assistants are, are paid. You know, and BYU is a unique place. This is great. A lot of people want to be here. Sometimes that's used um, to the disadvantage of perhaps some coaches' salary. Hey, we know you want to be here, so we don't. Have There's only so many funds to go around, sacred funds. That it, I, I get it. I'm hoping that BYU does what it takes because the the highest paid employee of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. I'm talking the business side of it. Is is Kalani Sitake. BYU needs to keep him because guess what? BYU and the brand and, and, and let's be honest, like the brand of the church to some extent domestically, that all is contingent upon how things are going with Cougar Athletics to some degree. It's not everything, but to some degree. Keep it going, baby. Get this man paid and his assistance and Mark Pope and assistance. To do what it takes to keep Kalani Satake. So for me, what it takes is, yes, I am in agreement with you, from the assistant standpoint. This is, to me, bigger than just money for Kalani. Yeah, This is about yeah. stability and money for his assistant coaches. The staff that has helped him go 19-3 and in the last 22 games. Lock in the support staff. Kalani is going to get paid. Will they lock in his assistants and the staff and make them feel appreciated in a way that resonates with them. That, to me, is number one. Every coach wants more autonomy within their program, right? More control over the support staff and hires and organization. And if you look at what BYU is going to have from a support staff standpoint compared to what other Big 12 schools have right now, it is minimal. I mean, BYU's staff is tiny, Compared to what these other Big 12 programs Explain have. Explain what you mean so people understand. Like okay. the recruiting yes. staff. The, Absolutely. Yeah. Organizational matters. I mean, there are there are teams like Texas that have. Well, don't compare to Texas. Okay, sorry. There are teams like Baylor okay. that have a better full-on uh, nutritional staffs. Like not just one person, but like a staff of people that's lining up meals for every specific player. Like, what's going to work best for uh, the offensive line? What's going to work best for our quarterbacks? Like, we're talking about something. Autonomy, control over support staff hires, and organizational hires. Okay? To me, that has to happen with BYU transitioning into the Big 12. Because the last thing that BYU needs is trying to find a new coach to break in transitioning into a Power 5 conference. I can't think of a more chaotic scenario. Because the candidates are limited. And this, exactly. They the are. pool is so small. Who will BYU go get as they transition into a Power 5 conference? That would be nuts. There's not one that's better than Kalani Satake right now. And you frankly, know what I mean? I don't know that Tom Homo mentally can handle another coaching change after everything that's happened between football and basketball. Like, Tom's not, I don't know how many years away he is from retirement. That guy's got juice, dude. Saturday he's running around to all three games. Like, he's awesome, right? But, yeah, BYU needs to keep Kalani. This is going really, really well. Do what it takes. I will say this. Tom Homo took a chance on Kalani. Kalani had never been a head coach. 
He took the chance in 2016. BYU went 9-4. and four. Ooh, I feel differently. And then that was followed up. I don't feel like it took a chance. Okay, whether you want to view it as a risk or not, it wasn't the that guy risky. that had never been a head coach in right. college football. Right, but Bronco had been a D.C. at BYU for two years. Kalani had proven himself as a D.C. at Utah for like Not saying he wasn't proven. Nine. Okay. So then it's not a risk if he's proven. Okay, you and I differ on, on that that's opinion. That's okay. Yeah, it wasn't a risk. Okay, 4-9 and nine the next year. The worst season in 50 years for BYU football. So that BYU could get Zach Wilson. 50 years. But the loyalty remained with Kalani from Tom Homo. So how much is that worth for Kalani looking back at Tom Homo? Like, hey, you were the guy that gave me the job, my first head coaching job. Maybe. And you stuck with me after the worst season in 50 years. In the That's got to be worth something. But is it worth uh, a million bucks? Because that's what BYU might need to increase at least, if not two or three. Well, and as much as BYU fans hate to think about Kalani at some other position in the Pac-12, whether it's USC or Washington or who knows how long Kyle Whittingham's going to stay at Utah, and if he left and retired, you better believe Utah's going to be in that conversation too. Lock in Kalani Satake right now. Money talks, man. Ralph Sokolowski. Kalani Satake, a longtime statistician, just completed, you know, this is his 40th, 40 years of BYU football. Pretty cool. Satake was one of 18 new head coaches in 2016. Only seven remain as head coaches of those 18. Of the seven, Satake's win percentage is second only to Georgia's Kirby Smart. What BYU's done the last two years has been incredible. If you love it, if you like it, and you want some more of it, you need to hope that BYU does what it takes, right? And I'm not talking the coach's circle or whatever that, like, matches the salary. And that's important, too. I think BYU just needs to originate a value that is competitive. Sure. With where Kalani Sitake, let's be honest, Kalani Sitake has turned down other opportunities to stay here at BYU. We all realize this, right? This is happening. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We now welcome in ESPN college basketball analyst, insider, and expert Sean Farnham, friend of the program who is going to have a great seat tonight for BYU in Oregon. And Sean, as a UCLA guy and a Pac-12 insider, can you give BYU some insight on how to beat the really good Ducks team tonight? Listen, can I just start off with the fact that I'm really excited. I'm in the building to call a game tonight. Like it is, it feels so good to be back out on the road and be able to watch these teams uh, in person. To answer your question, listen, this is an Oregon Ducks team um, that has a lot of new parts to it. As always, I always say this Dana Altman uh, has worked the transfer portal long before the transfer portal was cool to work. And this year he's got three guys in particular, Davion Harmon, uh, played at Oklahoma, Quincy Garrier, who uh, played at Syracuse. Those two guys in particular have caused a lot of issues. And then you bring in a Jacob Young from Rutgers who brings a defensive mindset. So you have three guys that are established double-digit scorers at Power 5 conferences and then are coming into Oregon to mix in with a Will Richardson, uh, who I think personally could be the Pac-12 player of the year and is off to a sensational start once again. So they have scoring options. There's multiple guys out on the floor that can score the basketball. Like BYU, what you'll see, though, is because of, you know, Richard being out, uh, you have a lack of size and a lack of depth there. Well, Nafale Dante is still out for Oregon from an injury a year ago. So they have a little bit of a lack of depth down low at the center position. Uh, so I think that, that they, they're very similar in how they play. 
They're very similar in how they look to score. A lot of it being predicated upon their guards and their ability to, to make the defense shift, rotate, and then knock down wide open threes. Sean, how do you think BYU's game against San Diego State, very aggressive, uh, very good defensive team, very good rebounding team, beating them here, how did that prepare them for what they might see later tonight? Listen, for me, uh, I've learned more about BYU in this early season than I have uh, about Oregon, and that's based on the fact that the two opponents that BYU has faced already will be in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year. I would be shocked if, if either one of Cleveland State or San Diego State uh, weren't in the NCAA field. And there's a reason why, you know, over the last two seasons, San Diego State, I believe, was 53-7. and seven. Uh, Matt Bradley will lead uh, the Mountain West Conference most likely in scoring this year. And for him to only have four made field goals, what that tells me is there, there's an effort that has shifted and changed a little bit with BYU this year and the focus being on the defensive end of the floor. I listened to Spencer uh, during one of the games. I think it was the Cleveland State game where he said that coach said they need to get stops, they need to get stops, they need to get stops, they need to get stops. Yep. And he said it, I think, four times, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm paying attention to BYU TV. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, the, the truth of the matter is for this team to be great, for this team to have a chance to win a conference championship, for this team to advance in the NCAA tournament, it is going to need to be a disruptive team at the defensive end. It doesn't need to be the best defensive team in the country, but it needs to be disruptive and it needs to force their opponent to take shots that are lesser, higher percentage shots than what they would normally get out of their offense. And I think that's what I saw most about the San Diego State game. And I'm interested to see if they can be disruptive tonight on the defensive end of the floor against Oregon. ESPN college basketball insider and analyst Sean Farnham is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Sean, Let's focus specifically on BYU within the national standpoint and limelight. Uh, some of your media colleagues, Jeff Goodman notably, has BYU number 17 in his poll. I think Andy Katz had BYU at number 28. BYU is receiving votes just outside the top 25. Are they a top 25 caliber team, or do you need to see some more? No, they should have been in the top 25 this week. If I had a vote in the AP top 25, I would have put them in the top 25. I, again, two wins against tournament-quality teams. Um, and, and when, when selection Sunday comes and looking at seating process for BYU, uh, they'll say, okay, how many wins do you have against the field? Well, they've already got two. If they get one tonight, that'll be three to start the season. So that's really impressive. And, and I credit Mark Pope, uh, for the aggressive scheduling. And, and while maybe Cleveland state doesn't have the national name that some other programs have, well, that was a team that took uh, Houston to uh, the brink last year in the NCAA tournament and returned everybody. I mean, that, that is a tough, tough team. And then Brian Dutcher squad at San Diego state year in and year out, uh, they are they are one of the more physical and best defensive teams in the country. So that's why that game was a little bit more of a grinder. I, I think this is a top 25 team. Do I think that they're top 15? I don't right now. Uh, can they get there? Potentially. Uh, but I think right now they're somewhere between 15 and 25. I know they're, I think they're at like 29 or 30 if you count, you know, the teams after uh, the, the ones receiving votes. So they're in the ballpark. I think all they have to do is continue to take care of business. Uh, they beat Oregon tonight. They'll be in the top 25 next week uh, if, that's, if that indeed happens. Let's get your take on this. This is a strategic scheduling game for, for both coaches to play each other in Portland, not Eugene and, and not Provo. And it's November. We haven't had Thanksgiving yet. But, but it seems to me in a game like this, the winner can win a lot and the loser doesn't lose very much. Just the fact that they played each other will benefit uh, when the committee starts to look over their work. Yeah, and I would go to what Chris Beard said after they, uh, for the Texas head coach after they lost to Gonzaga 
uh, over the weekend. Uh, he said, listen, no, basketball benefits from this game. We benefited from this game. Gonzaga benefited from this game. And I think the same can be said for the quality of game that we're going to see tonight. Uh, these are two NCAA tournament teams. Uh, you're going to, this is a, this is a check-in and check-up. Uh, check-in, let's see how we're doing. Check-up, where do we need to get better? And I, I think for both teams, regardless of who wins this game, both teams are going to approach it the same way and know that there's a ton that they can learn and grow from in the course of this game tonight uh, that will help them as they move forward in their season. You know, college basketball is crazy. You know, we talk about undefeated teams and obviously the Gonzaga Bulldogs and the WCC had a, had a great run last year until they went to the national championship game and took their first loss of the year. There hasn't been an undefeated national championships champion since the seventies. Uh, there's a reason for that. It's, it's hard. Um, and so teams are going to take a loss and tonight, maybe BYU takes a loss tonight, but in that loss, I promise you, they're going to learn a lot more that would allow them to be successful in the WCC. And if they win, by the way, it doesn't mean that they won the national championship. It means that there's still something they can learn and get better at, uh, to, to be able to get better for conference play and be able to hopefully bring a championship back, uh, to Provo, because I know that's what Mark Pope has talked about with me. Uh, my conversations leading up to the game is listen, we haven't left our mark on the WCC yet. And our mark needs to be a championship and they don't want to leave to go to the big 12 without winning the conference championship. And obviously it's a steep hill once again to climb this year. It's no surprise who's, who's right there standing in front of them. Uh, but, but it's going to be a great battle this year. And I think it's going to be a better battle than even what we've seen uh, saw last year could be reminiscent of what we saw two years ago in the Marriott center. That was a pretty special environment. Mm -hmm. Sean, let's talk about the big 12. How do you feel BYU in 2023 will fit in with what on paper over the past five years has been what many experts say the best basketball conference in America. Uh, by Ken Palm standards, it has been the best conference uh, in the country. And Ken Palm, for those of you who don't know, is a great guy that does analytics and breaks down the numbers. Uh, very, very great basketball conference from top to bottom. And yeah, you're losing two brands in Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, but statistically speaking, with the teams and the programs that they brought in, that had you brought in those teams last year, BYU, a Houston, a Cincinnati, all of them would have been uh, maintained that position of having the Big 12 be the number one ranked conference in the country. Uh, it's a step up. Here's the difference, right? When, when BYU plays Gonzaga, it's it, everybody knows it's a heavyweight fight, right? It's a, it's a main event top card of UFC, whatever you're interested in in combat sports world, uh, it would be the main event. And, and when you go to the Big 12, every game becomes the main event. When you go to Kansas, when you go to Baylor, when you go to visit the Hilton Magic at Iowa State. So there's no games where you're like, okay, this is an easy one. We can, a soft landing at the end of this game and we're going to win by 20. There aren't those games inside the Big 12. So that's going to be a change. Uh, I think what you're going to see though from Mark Pope and this coaching staff is a renewed uh, effort to increase the talent pool in which they can go out and recruit. Uh, Colin Chandler is a prime example of that, the kid, young man who committed last week. He's, he's a star. He's a flat-out star. And he is going to be a star at BYU. He is going to be a star inside the Big 12. And those are the type of players you need if you're going to try to compete with championships. But, I mean, I close my eyes, and I think – and I, you look, BYU fans have given me a lot of grief over my excitement and my, <laughs> my energy in that win against – Gonzaga. I see it all the time, guys. I hear you. I understand. You guys are misconstruing everything. I've loved that environment. I've said it over and over again. It's the best environment I've covered in 20 years of covering basketball uh, on the television market. So I close my eyes and I think, man, imagine when Kansas comes to town. Oh, boy. Imagine when Baylor comes to town. Imagine when Texas Tech, who's recently been in the Final Four, and I know they've gone through a coaching change, comes to town. 
how insane is that building going to be? I mean, it's going to be fantastic. And, and from a television perspective, from a broadcaster perspective, I love walking into environments that are electric and lit. And, and BYU has always had a great home court advantage. Uh, but when it comes to the Big 12, man, I, I, think, I think they're going to blow the roof off that place. Sean Farnham calling the game tonight on ESPN, BYU, and Oregon. Let's finish with BYU's current star, Alex Barcelo. There is a calmness to him that we saw in the Cleveland State game and in the San Diego State game of just kind of biding his time, waiting for the moment, and then when they need a big shot, he sticks one and then another and another and then puts the game away. Uh, what do you think of Alex and this last year of his, and, and how, how good can he be this season? I think he could be as good as he wants to be. I, I think, you know, honorable mention, All-American, third-team All-American, second-team All-American, those are there in front of him. I don't, I don't think he's a first-team All-American. I think we have so much talent returning to college basketball this year. It'd be really tough for him to achieve at that level. Uh, but what I like about him is, to your point, is he's allowing the game to come to him. He's not forcing the issue. I thought at times last year that Alex Borsello uh, tried too hard, and in, in particular in big games. like He, he took on that the, the shoulder shouldering of, of I'm the leader of this team. And when things got tough in some of those games in the WCC, he, he was just trying a little bit too hard. He got a little too tense. I haven't seen that in the early stages of this season. What I've seen is a player that's very confident. Uh, Tejon Lucas and him are, are building a nice chemistry together. I think that's really important to Alex's success is that, that Tejon has success as well at the guard position. He's got to shoot it better than obviously he has in the first couple of games in Tejon Lucas. Uh, but Alex Barcelo has been great. And I expect in the big, big moment that he will be the guy that takes the big shot. I will expect that when the opponent goes on a run, that he is going to be the guy that steps up and, and knocks down that shot. And if he's able to do that all year long, I think that he's going to help lead BYU more importantly than the individual accolades would be back to the NCAA tournament and have a chance and an opportunity once again to advance. And I think that when you look at the last three years in particular for Mark Pope, whether it was getting them nationally ranked a couple of years back, I still believe that there was an NCAA tournament in 2020 that this BYU team would have at the very least been able to make the Sweet 16, easily could have made the Elite Eight, and could have been a player for the Final Four with as good as that team was playing down the stretch with Haas, Toulson, Childs. Uh, I love that team, and I love the toughness that they had at the defensive end of the floor. What I think most importantly for Alex Barcelo has been his commitment to the defensive end so far. Taking a couple charges, I've seen that. Uh, you know, He has to be the guy that gives this team that little edge of the defensive end, because if this team maintains the defensive awareness that they've shown so far in the first two games, I think it's going to be a really successful season for the Cougars. If they rely on their offense, which I think last year's team did a little bit too much at times and wasn't as, as tough and as physical as they need to be at the defensive end of the floor, well, then you're going to take some unexpected losses. Uh, but if you, you bring that defense every single night, it gives you an, a fighter's chance to find success. And so far, this team has had that fighter's chance and grinded through that game in particular against San Diego State when the offense wasn't as flowing as freely as it has in the past. And I think that's going to bode well for this team moving forward. The extremely well-versed Sean Farnham bringing it on BYU Sports Nation. Great to have you on the show. We're looking forward to the call. Love to see you uh, rocking the uh, coaches for cancer I, I hat, I, too. Yeah, no, I've always rocked this, but i, I got to know. Okay, what's the score on the 18th between the Cougs, the WCC champions, in women's soccer, going down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to take on the tie. What's the score? Do we got a prediction here? Listen, we got Sean. A prediction. We got 
West gonna, Coast Mafia has got to come through here. Yes. BYU averages more than three and a half goals per game. I'm calling a four to one win on the road against Alabama. Let's go. This let's, is the Alabama that we want. This is the Alabama. Yeah, BYU team that we wants want. Bama in soccer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> let's go. It's going to be a great game. Hey, great to it's have you. It's been a great man. season for them. Just do me one last favor. Make sure BYU doesn't face UCLA in the first round of the NCAA tournament this yeah, year, okay? That, that doesn't work out. Look, if they're playing in the first round of the NCAA tournament, I'm driving to Indianapolis personally to ask one question. What's wrong with you guys? There's no way that can happen. Great stuff. All right, thanks, Sean. Great to talk to you. Sean Farnham on BYU Sports Nation from ESPN. That guy's the best. A treasure trove of information. He really is. It's incredible, like, his mind, how it works, and just he loves college basketball, and you can feel the passion from him. Yeah, and you'll feel it in his voice tonight, and and there's a product on the floor tonight with BYU and Oregon that uh, that a lot of folks will look at on ESPN. I think 10 Eastern, uh, but, hey, that's that's 8 o'clock. It's perfect time here in the Mountain Zone. Uh, Big game tonight. Big early game. It seems so early yeah. to have these kind of games because football still has some big games ahead. But, uh, yeah, we'll be watching. Be got the number one thrill score, according to uh, the previously mentioned Ken Palm ratings. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's time for Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. And it is the top five plays from BYU men's basketball's 2-0 start to the season. Let's go, Dave. Number five. We had a lot of good plays, too, to pick from. Number five, Caleb Lohner, Tijon Lucas. Then the screen is going to be set. And then watch Lucas. Back to Loner, monster dunk, brought the crowd to its feet. That's a good one. Love that. Number four, just over two minutes left, and BYU holding on to a six-point lead. Spencer Johnson seals the deal against Cleveland State with his block. Punctuated a great night defensively, plus he draws a foul while going to recover the loose ball. Spencer Johnson, the defensive specialist. He is a defensive specialist. Number three, one of the best surprises of the week, Fusini Traore. Freshman coming up with a big block on San Diego State's Keisha Johnson. Johnson tried to get Foose with the reverse. The reverse was not there. This was one of the uh. highlights of Foose's big night. Nine points, eight rebounds. True freshman. He is going to be good, and he's going to still be in that lineup when the Big 12 comes around. Talk to the hand. Number two, T. John Lucas. Showing off some more of that playmaking ability in the season opener. This time, Oh, circus shot. Weaves his way through the defense. A little up and under with some English. This bucket helped the Cougars extend their lead to seven just seconds before the halftime buzzer sounded. Oh, TJ. Beautiful. Number one. Biggest shot of the week belongs to Big Shot Barcelo. Tied at 54. Just over three minutes to play. There it is. In the corner. Buries the three. Got fouled on it, but they didn't call it. Barcelo is money in crunch time. We saw that both times. And this shot, the rock was on fire. They did a nice job. 69% from the field in opening week for Barcelo. 57% from three. Average 20 and a half points a game. Uh, One piece of advice for Alex moving forward. Shoot more often. Yes, please. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, now joins us. Greg, is it true you stayed overnight at Bronco Mendenhall's guest house? <laughs> Not true. <laughs> no. But uh, <laughs> did, uh, did get a few minutes uh, with Bronco after his practice uh, this morning, which was kind of cool. Um, we were in the neighborhood, right? BYU women's soccer was there for their game day walkthrough, and football was going on. Uh, right next door and so after practice and after their Thursday's hero got a chance to say hi to Bronco because we actually didn't cross paths when they came to Provo um, when I was on the field he wasn't yet on the field when I'm in the booth he's on the field and and so it never really it never really synced up that way it was fun to, to see him again after a long time and, and say hey and and see his team uh, carrying on the Thursday's hero tradition as well which they began at BYU and uh, really cool thing to see. Of course, Kalani's program carries on the tradition with the true blue hero. So both programs doing great things with the platform they've got to help enrich their communities. And it was just fun to be a, uh, an observer on that today too. Very cool. Greg Rebell with us. He's in Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm in Savannah, Georgia. This truly is BYU Sports Nation, Greg. And while you're in Virginia, let's talk about BYU women's soccer and the NCAA tournament. The Cougars, of course, want a rematch with Virginia at some point, but likely getting that means they have to beat Alabama today. How do BYU and the women's soccer team match up with what the Crimson Tide are going to put on the soccer pitch? Well, even though BYU's 0-2 against the SEC this year, uh, went on the road, lost at Auburn, lost at Arkansas, didn't play maybe their best matches in either, uh, I think Alabama's a little different deal. Uh, I, I think Alabama, not that they're just happy to be here, but... Uh, that was their first NCAA tournament win ever they picked up over the weekend at Clemson. It was their first away neutral win of the season as well. They've allowed more goals than, they, than they've scored. Uh, they kind of view this weekend as a little bit of gravy, and BYU is on a mission. You know, they, they want the rematch with Virginia. They want an Elite Eight. They want a first of a Final Four. The Cougars are marching, and they're a juggernaut right now. Alabama's not that team. Alabama scores a decent amount, but not the kind of goals BYU's scoring. Uh, they are a good defensive team. You know, they, they just shut out a high-scoring Clemson club. Uh, Alabama is a legit defensive team, but the firepower is there for BYU. It really kind of isn't for Alabama. And again, the Cougars have a tournament pedigree. The Cougars are playing for their 20th NCAA tournament win this afternoon. Alabama just got its first ever a few days ago. Um, this Cougar team is driven. And, and you know, Coach Jan Rockwood's mantra, guys, um, you know, Score early, score again, and that you know has to be the, uh, the the mo today. You want to see an early goal scored against Alabama, get them on the back foot, get them thinking, catch up, and see what BYU can do in that instance. But uh, this is as good a BYU soccer team as I've ever called. Certainly, you have two career goal scorers in the 40s, which is unheard of. Um, you know, on the same roster, uh, it's kind of been you know peaking for Kayla and Cam to have this kind of run. And uh, hopefully it continues this afternoon. Yeah, it, it will. It's going to happen. Then BYU's going to have the matchup they wanted with Virginia, which is super exciting. We look forward to that coming up at 4 Eastern time on BYU Radio 107.9 FM and the BYU Cougars app. Let's talk men's hoops, Greg. What a game against Oregon on Tuesday night like an all-timer. I consumed all nine minutes and 53 seconds of your highlights that night and everything else that happened because it was so fun. So we were talking about at 3-0 with those three wins and that performance against Oregon. Are your expectations adjusted up for this team? Yes, I now expect the first ever 4-0 start of the Mark Pope era. 
uh, as a result. So, no, I mean, you, you talk about you talk about you know comprehensive, start to finish, no lulls, just kind of keep it going kind of games for BYU, and that is like an all timer. Uh, it's a good basketball team in Oregon. I mean, the rank it's it's tough to rank teams early. We don't really know what every team's going to look like, but. You know, this is a team that is most often in the Sweet 16 every year, and 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 they're bringing enough back and and preseason all conference guys, and won their first two games going away against decent opposition. Uh, it's a good basketball team you beat. It's a good basketball team you took apart on, on on Tuesday night. So yeah, you have to be thinking even bigger and better. And I mean, you know, there, there's landmines all over the schedule. I do think that Oregon was the best team BYU will see until Gonzaga. But that said, you have all these in-state games still to play. Uh, you've got Creighton away from home. You got to go into Missouri State. There's enough landmines there to where, you know, on 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 the right night, anybody can get anybody. But uh, yeah, I, I think you have to look at what's happened in the first three games and and say, you know, BYU should be you know kind of penciled into the bracket right now. And let's see where high BYU can go in the rankings. Uh, certainly, it'll be a top 25 team next week based on what they did. Uh, this past week. So you want Oregon to do really well now. You want San Diego State to do really well now. You want Cleveland State to play well in, in the horizon and make those wins really stand up. But uh, you have three tournament or three wins against three NCAA tournament teams from the spring. The defense is getting it done, guys. Uh, 60 points is the most allowed in any game so far for BYU. And, and Oregon didn't get to 50. And, and the Cougars hadn't been to 70 yet, and they slipped right past that to, to 81 on Tuesday night. And, and they're doing this, guys. You know, they, they've gotten some great performances from Alex Barcelo, like, like All-America-type efforts from Alex Barcelo. T. John Lucas is coming along. Second night is feeling his way forward. Uh, but there are, you know, a few guys that have just gotten up to so-so starts. But you know they'll come back big and come back strong because they have the reps in the past. They have the games in the past. So... Once this team starts getting everyone kind of playing closer to their potential, you know, sky's kind of the limit for this group right now. Because these are three really hard-earned wins by getting just enough from just enough of the right guys on those three nights to get three Ws. But they're an even better team than I think they've even shown through the first couple weeks. Greg, because that win was so dominant against Oregon, I mean, 32-point win, just a dominating performance. Jeremy and I are in are of the opinion that BYU is not just going to be a top 25 team, but probably a top 20 team. How high do you think BYU will enter the rankings when the new ones come out? I felt that it was, you know, worthy of, of something in the top 20. Uh, they were 29th, right, last week or this week in the AP poll. And, and there's enough variance early where you can see some pretty drastic shifts from one week to the next. It, it kind of felt like it, like you could find yourself in the top 20. Um, but certainly if, if kind of Oregon and BYU met in the middle, that might also be something to be expected as well. If, if, if they each drop and gain by the same amount, that might make a little bit of sense as well. Either way, uh, they're in the poll, and once you're in the poll, you're in the consciousness. You know, as long as you keep winning, string a few more games together. Um, you know, Mark Pope's been one of those guys that, that you know, when the team loses one, they rarely lose two. I think their first ever back-to-back -back losses came – Gonzaga, UCLA at the end of last year. So, you know, they, they, they rarely take themselves out of a position to be thought of once they take maybe an L. So this could be a situation where BYU kind of stays in the, in the national consciousness from a basketball standpoint, uh, you know, most of the year. 
I've noticed that the artwork has been good typically in the room that you stay in. Today it's very plain, Greg. I would like your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little more mundane than it was the last time I joined you. Uh, as soon as I check into a room, first thing I think about is is how it's going to play on TV, you know. And and I was a little bit disappointed when I checked in, and and this is what I had. But you know, uh, as the kids say, it is what it is. And um, you know, hopefully it's uh, hopefully I've made up, you know, for the uh, for the for the drab decor. Perhaps the question was too mundane. Let's finish with football. (laughs) BYU against Georgia Southern. Obviously coming off a bye week and a sunbelt opponent when BYU is ranked 14th. Vegas has a 20-point line. You expect BYU to roll. But what exactly do you want to see on Saturday as BYU prepares for, uh, of course, that game and USC, a big game to close out the regular season? Yeah, BYU's been a little bit out of sight, out of mind, right, for for a couple of weeks um, between you know dropping down to FCS and and having a bye week, and so you want to make a splash back, right? And 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 you don't want to be too greedy, but you kind of want you know something close to a perfect game. You know, don't turn the ball over, uh, score on most of your possessions, just look good and and look um, like a team that's in the conversation. Spencer and you were alluding to a few moments ago. You know, be in the New Year's Six mix by going out and doing to a team what you're expected to do. And so, you know, if the line is what it is, and you shared that a moment ago, you know, be better than that. Be dominant. Uh, be impressive. Uh, um, you know, Tyler Algier is a Doak Walker candidate now. Uh, you know, feed the rock and and let Tyler go to work and, and, and dominate a team that wants to, you know, probably limit your possessions and, and they play not, you know, traditional option football. You're not looking at uh, triple option or wishbone, but you're looking at one of those true um, ride and decide RPO feel, pull it and throw it kind of vibes each each snap and 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 so you know BYU had a similar type game last year at at, at Coastal Carolina, not the caliber of opposition, mind you, but that we have to travel a couple time zones away, take on an offense you don't normally see all the time. Cougs have to be sharp in that respect as well. Good stuff, Greg. We appreciate the time, man. Uh, Best of luck figuring out how to get some decor in there. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Normally we ask a question here, then we debate. Uh, Today it's pure reaction to the game and to the national reaction. It was incredible. Um, An amazing win. The most ever by BYU against a ranked team. Um, there are millions of superlatives that we can go over there. Um, number 12, Oregon. BYU wins by 32. <laughs> what did you think of what happened here? Look, it was one of those ones I just had a, had a, had a smile on my face the entire game for, for several reasons. First of all, BYU goes out to the 6-0 lead. And both teams for the first couple of minutes couldn't score at all. And then BYU gets out 6 yeah. nothing. Then Oregon comes back, ties it up at 6. And so you're thinking, okay, well, this is kind of what we expected. This is going to be – Hopefully BYU can hang yes, in this just, game, make it interesting. Yes, you make Maybe it interesting. Yes. That's what I was hoping. From that point on, BYU never allowed Oregon to ever get back in this. They got to within, I believe, 17 at one point once the lead got above 20. Oh, no, I, I joked to my friend I was watching <laughs> with, Justin, I was like, oh, no, it got under 20. <laughs> So it was just that I was in awe all night long of just how 
in control BYU was from the get-go. They never trailed. As we mentioned, their lead hovered right around 20 for most of the second half. And every time Oregon got something going, and by something I mean maybe like a, a 4 run, run. run yeah. BYU came right back and hit big shot after big shot. Barcelo was unbelievable, tying his career high with 25 points. But a lot of this started on the defensive end. BYU defensively was fantastic. You had great games from Foose, who is a fan favorite already. He is good. And good. he is so raw. And, and everything he everything he gets, whether it's points, rebounds, whatever, it's all just raw talent and hustle. Imagine what he's going to be like in another year or two when he gets a little more refined. But then you had Spencer Johnson with a really good game. Tijon Luke is probably his best game. Seneca Knight, another good game. Yep. Trey Stewart got in the game, scored his first points in the regular season. Spencer Johnson, everybody. It was just everybody. a a total team effort. And as much as we're going to focus on the offense, play of the game here. Yes, Spencer the behind Johnson the back. That was George. like that was like you and the the five a.m. basketball games that just, you played before. Just buckets minus. And I dunk. meant the dunk. Yeah, the oh, other guy was, was the pass. You were the dunk. Oh well, yeah, a, a left-handed layup was yeah. like a dunk and pickup. Look, from from start to finish, we'll focus on the offense because they score eighty-one. But it, honestly, it was the defense that was probably the most impressive thing. BYU's defense was off the charts. BYU didn't even need Alex Parcello to score a point to win this game. <laughs> You're right. By the way, Alex's career high is twenty-nine, so he was just short, but one of his best games ever. Our stat of the day is unbelievable, and BYU made national national news yesterday because BYU owned the night. Um, which is Nostris Nocturnus, as we've talked about on the show, which brings us to a stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Sports Nation stat of the day. ESPN Stats and Info. BYU is the first unranked team to beat a top 15 team away from home by 30-plus since November 29th, 1993, when UConn beat Virginia. Are you kidding me? What BYU did last (laughs) night is one of the greatest BYU men's basketball games ever. I'm not sure that BYU will top that moment. Let me explain. Beating a top 12 team by that margin and having the reaction, that's incredible. If BYU beats Gonzaga, yes. If BYU goes to the Sweet 16, I'm not sure they'll get the same amount of attention as they got last night. I mean, that was incredible. So enjoy this. This was amazing. And now BYU is going to be in the top 25 next week. I dare say the top 20. I, I, I think BYU. I would be shocked if they're not in the top 20. 19 see, I, on Monday. I'm guessing 17. Oh, I am up. guessing they come in at 17. I'll go 17 plus. How about that? Okay. <laughs> well, now we know it won't happen. <laughs> it happens. McWorld, it could happen. There's lots of reaction to get to. Let's talk about it. John Rothstein, CBS Sports. Things you didn't think you'd tweet. BYU over Oregon by 33. <laughs> 32, Jason. I still can't get over that BYU beat Oregon by a Jimmer's worth. By the way, does this mean that BYU basketball should go to the Rose Bowl? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, BYU to the Pac-12. We'll get to that in a second. Matt Norlander, BYU 81, Oregon 49, final. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one made me laugh. It really did. John Wilner, who's been outspokenly, he picked BYU to go 0-5 against the Pac-12. Yeah. This year. BYU's thought, thought Arizona was going to beat BYU football. in the uh, yeah, opener. That was a good one, John. But you're funny. <laughs> Uh, he's going to have a Netflix series, all comedy about the Pac-12. <laughs> on the bright side, from John Wilner, for the Pac-12, only one football game and one basketball game left against BYU. Um, so BYU-USC next week, and at the same time, almost within an hour, BYU at Utah in men's basketball. Yes. That's going to be crazy. Adam Rittenberg, Pac-12 has st- of ESPN. Pac-12 has stopped playing BYU in sports. Too painful. 
The great irony in this, by the way, is that Alex Barcelo, former Pac-12 player himself at Arizona, did the destruction against Oregon. The the development and I want to be Alex Barcelo in my life. Let me explain why. Sometimes I feel like I'm a three-point scorer, and then sometimes I want to be the 25-point scorer. It's the right people, the right situation, the right fiancé and Zoe. Zoe's in the house. What's Look, up, you Zoe? do what you need to do when you need to do yes, it. Yes, you do. We'll talk to uh, Alex coming up. Gavin Baxter. Uh, why road games feeling like home games? Cougar Nation ridiculous. Yes. This is Cougar Nation. Okay. BYU was incredible before the Big 12 thing. It was. We know it. Big 12 BYU is on another level, bro. In all the it sports. has raised the stakes. The Everything, everything's changed. Everybody has leveled up a little bit. It's been, or a lot of bit. It's been incredible. Okay. Tosh McIntosh. This was funny. This one really gets me. This Does BYU great. TV get to replay tonight's BYU versus Oregon game, or are they not allowed to air TV mature content? Hello. Too violent. It was too violent against Ducks. PETA has been informed. I tried there. to find gifts of Ducks last night, but then I'm like, I don't, I don't need, you know, PETA. You're going into a strange space. Yeah, right just like, I don't, I don't need yeah. to go there. I don't need it. Mark Titus, uh, one of the big voices in college basketball. Win of the year in college basketball so far. Congrats to Coach Pope and the boys. I agree. Obviously, Seton Hall taking down number four Michigan on the road last night. Uh, on Juwan Howard's five-year contract extension day is a big win as well. But it's the 32 Yes, did it. The margin of victory is It's the 32, and it's incredible. the complete domination from start to finish. Oregon was never truly in this game. No. Ever. And now you look at what BYU's done in the first three games. All three tourney teams from last year. All three will make the tourney this year, we think, in Cleveland State and San Diego State and BYU. And now you look at BYU and you go, oh, my gosh. Is the ceiling higher than we thought for this group? They're going to be ranked in the top. 20 next week. It's very exciting. Boney Fuller. This one one was great. I don't necessarily agree with this, but it's funny. (laughs) If you aren't able to watch, no spoilers, but we are letting kids from Linden play. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, We love you, Casey Brown. It's all good. Uh, Hey, at the show, San Diego State. Are you guys watching? By the way, I never did go back to check to see if uh, at the show SDSU responded to this. Oh, there's plenty of salt over there. (laughs) Colin Chandler, how about them Cougs? That's right, Colin Chandler. That's right, future Cougar. Yep. Big 12, baby. Love it. Oh, it was. I'm telling you, this is an all-time performance uh, from BYU. All-time. Just one of the greatest moments in BYU basketball history. Beating this team in the way they did. Okay, a couple other things. Largest margin of victory against a ranked team ever. Um, the fact that, you know, B- BYU goes on a neutral side. I wish this had been in Eugene, honestly. Um, even, even better, right? I can't stand that floor. To though. atone the overtime. I, I hate their, I hate their like floor design. It is the most it's obnoxious. Rough. Normally I like the Ducks. This is a guy that used to live in Portland, but, you know, last night was different. Um, BYU all over it. Okay, our question today, was the best thing about last night's BYU win over Oregon? This could be from the game. This could be outside the game, the reaction, anything. Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. What was the best thing about last night's BYU win over Oregon? Jonathan Hawkinson on Twitter. The best thing about last night's BYU win over Oregon is that no one saw it coming. The momentum and potential of this team is sky high right now, so much so that rumor has it that the Oregon Duck mascot Puddles swam back to Eugene in his river of tears after the loss. I, For, I first think of all, felt is, like BYU is, was going to compete in this game. Yes. I don't think – I. we'll ask Alex Barcelo. <laughs> Did you see a 32-point win coming? I mean, that's incredible. Okay, 
The Oregon Duck mascot, is his name really Puddles? It's Puddles, yeah. Seriously. That's a real thing. Okay, I did not know that it was Puddles. Very funny Sports Center commercial where he's in an office looking longingly outside at other ducks. It's really <laughs> I, I know. I just never knew his name was Puddles. <laughs> Jordan Sotis on Twitter. The best thing about the win was that there wasn't anything fluky about it. Yes. You completely dominated the boards, played great defense, shot the ball well. Even if Oregon was having a bad night, it was obvious BYU was just a better team. That's a great point yep. that shouldn't be lost here is BYU didn't like just happen to make uh, you know, 19 threes or something. Yeah, it wasn't, it was oh, well, domination. if Oregon had done that. No. It doesn't matter. BYU dominated this game. Certainly BYU needed Alex Barcelo's points to get in position to continue that, that avalanche that was the win. But if you took his points off the board, BYU still wins comfortably. But we don't want to take them off the we board. We would not. We would and not do that. By the way, I love looking at this. In soccer, you always identify what was the game-winning goal. In baseball, you say, okay, game-winning hit or RBI. The game-winning shot by BYU came at the 14-49 point of the second half. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so like we said, so many important events and games this weekend. We just laid it out in the headlines. So Spencer... You get to guarantee one result of a BYU game or event this weekend. Which one are you picking and why? I got to go with BYU women's soccer, Jerem, just because of the matchup and the historic goal-scoring rate that this specific team has been on. I want to watch these seniors, specifically Michaela Coulihan and Cassidy Smith and Cameron Tucker, go out with a win against the number one overall seed, Virginia. This is the same Virginia team that ended BYU season in the spring early when BYU was actually the higher-seeded team. Now BYU gets to try and return the favor in Charlottesville on the road and send every Virginia fan home unhappy. So I'm going with BYU women's soccer because of all of the emotional ties that go along with finally beating Virginia, getting to what would be a very rare Elite Eight, and keeping their Final Four College Cup hopes alive. They've never been to a College Cup. Let's keep the Final Four hopes alive by beating Virginia, ending the number one seed, overall run, and finally getting that proverbial monkey off the back. Jen Rockwood needs this. She's been doing this for a long time, has been an incredible head coach. She's got an all-time team that has scored goals at an historic rate. It's about BYU women's soccer. If I can guarantee one result, it's giving them a win in Charlottesville. Let's do this. I feel like on Star Trek, I'm trying to you know beam up or whatever. I'm just going to tap the patch and go up. It's women's soccer. Here's why. And maybe cross-country, honestly, uh, men and women's, although they have won individual team and team championships recently. What isn't a guarantee already about football against Georgia Southern, men's basketball against Central Methodist, women's volleyball against St. Mary's, um, women's hoops against Boise State? We feel like BYU is going to win all of those. Do you want to shout-out to men and women's swim and dive at the Missouri Invite Dixie Invitational as well? Good luck. We left you out, um, but not anymore. The two in question as to how they will perform is women's soccer against Virginia. That would be a huge win as the win picks up uh, in Statesboro. And the fact that cross country uh, might win two individual, or sorry, one individual championship with Connor Mance again and the team title. So it's either soccer or cross country. Hopefully everybody comes home uh, with wins. That'd be fun. But let's be honest, soccer has a chance to go to the Final Four. If they get past Virginia... They have got a great shot to go to the Final Four. Let's go. Uh, perhaps Penn State in the next round. If Penn's, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited for this weekend for all of these matchups, but in particular, women's soccer against Virginia, because guess what? 
The Cavs fans, whether we like it or not, they want vengeance for that football loss. And we can call this the yes, Jamie Beck game, who was in uh, BYU they're gear last it. night. Jamie, I need you. We need you to be in BYU gear tomorrow again. <laughs> I noticed Jason, employee of Virginia, didn't have any BYU stuff on. I get it. But, uh, yeah. So I'm with you. I'm with, uh, I'm with soccer, and I'm with cross country to hopefully bring home uh, some, some hardware over the weekend. Absolutely. I would love for Diljeet Taylor to go back-to-back, back, you know, as if her legend couldn't get any greater with what <laughs> she's done with women's cross-country. It's been an amazing run for her. So, yeah, going back-to-back, back, if we could guarantee that, that'd be great. But I, I just think there's so much emotion tied to Virginia and BYU on the women's soccer side. Yeah, the Elite Eight would be awesome, but beating Virginia to get there. And then, like you said, once Virginia's out of the way, does the road open up for BYU to make a magical run like their West Coast Conference counterpart Santa Clara did last year en route to an improbable national championship? If BYU can get past Virginia, watch out. They score so many goals and have such a dynamic offense that they could just get past this game, Jerem. Let's guarantee that one and then watch what happens for them. Uh, but, yeah, all, we want all the teams to win. Football, for, for crying out loud, football needs to show up behind me. They can't just show up and win tomorrow. If they Probably want can. to put themselves in a position where if, if a few teams <laughs> a few teams above them in the college football playoff poll lose, if they want to make sure that they jump up, they probably got to win by 30-plus. they got to look good tomorrow. So it's, it's important that football shows up and takes care of things at Paulson Stadium. They don't have to look good. They just have to win by a lot. Um, those, two te- those two things aren't <laughs> mutually exclusive, right? USC is the three seed, and they're playing Penn State. So go Nittany Lions should BYU beat Virginia, right? And then if that's the case, BYU uh, might host that game. We haven't talked about that, but, um, yeah, we'll see. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear are what the coaches athletes and experts have to say here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation Alex Barcella joins us on the program Alex what's up man uh, nothing much just heck of a night last still, night <laughs> it was a great night I mean guys played really well and we're just happy to come home with a win have you okay. gone to sleep yet not yet no I'm, <laughs> are you serious still in the day. no I, I okay you a got few a, few hours, hours? a few hours okay yeah. good I was like oh you probably have class or something today right um I mean we were talking about how incredible this was what was the game plan going in, and then how did it go that well? Because winning by 32 against anybody is hard. Yeah. It didn't happen against Cleveland State and San Diego State. It's difficult. Right. But at, against Oregon and Portland, holy mackerel. I mean, Oregon, Oregon, they're a top 15 team. You know, they're, they're very talented. They got a lot of, a lot of great uh, guys on their team that can dribble the ball, get in the paint, create um, either for themselves or for other guys. They can shoot the ball from the perimeter really well, and then they crashed uh, the defensive boards. And that's one thing that we started off really well at doing was protecting the middle and then crashing the boards, which I think that's what propelled our energy throughout the game. And luckily we hit some shots, and, and we just were able to keep up with that momentum going on the stretch. Without question, Alex, it's a statement victory. There's, there's just no way around it. Everybody saw it. Everybody was talking about it. Literally everybody, like the country was. <laughs> the, talking about it. It, was awesome. it was unbelievable. <laughs> what, what kind of statement do you think that made about you guys and this program? I think it made a, a big statement for us. You know, obviously starting off three and zero, 
the season like that. It's just, it's incredible, an incredible feeling. Um, nothing that we didn't believe in ourselves, though, coming into the season, though, as, as a group, as a whole, players and coach and staff, you know, this is what we told ourselves. We're going to have to prove the country wrong again. You know, we, we don't get a lot of respect going into the season, but <clears throat> thankful we, we were able to, to do that on, a, on the national level last night and just kind of put the country on notice. And I think it's a really big statement for our team. Nine of 11, 25 points. You're shooting at such a high clip right now. So uh, Jared Burson tweeted that the last 45 games, you're shooting 51% from three. No other player with that many attempts is within 5%. What is it about your shot that go, that is going so well right now? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I would say the reps. You know, Coach Fieger does a great job with me of just getting as many reps as I can in a day, um, being smart with it, whether we're, you know, on game day, the amount of reps that I shoot on a game day as opposed to after a game day, and then when I got a few days to prepare throughout the week before a game. Uh, we're just always trying to, trying to be the smartest with how many reps I'm getting up and are they game speed. Um, are they shots that I'm getting in a game? And so I just, all the credit goes to him um, with, with how my shot's feeling right now. Sean Farnham on the ESPN broadcast. He had a fun conversation with you on Instagram, uh, which was great earlier in the day. He said that your release is the exact same no matter when and where you shoot it, except when a San Diego State guy fouls you, but they don't call it. <laughs> um, what, how, how do you maintain that? How do you make sure the release is the same wherever you are? Uh, I would say just those reps, you know, practicing at game speed when you're in a game, it just it feels the same. And, you know, trying to trying to have that confidence, knowing that my whole team trusts me to, to shoot the ball whenever and wherever. It's a it's a really great feeling to have your guys trust you and to have your coaching staff trust you. So just kind of letting it fly when I went and get the ball in my hands. I think I probably know the answer to what number one is, but it, it, Correct me if I'm wrong. Zoe is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Where, where would last night's victory rank in terms of best wins during your time at BYU? I would rank it either one or two up there with that Gonzaga. That's what I That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, probably that's two. Right. Probably two, right? Yeah, it's, it's right there, right? Yes. One and two. Yep. It's just teams from the Northwest. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how we roll. No. Okay, so, so tell me what, obviously after a win like that where people see it, everybody's just totally geeked out. Take me through what it's like. Who do you hear from afterwards? And I'm not talking about just like fans, like other players. What, what's that like? Because I assume you're either getting texts, social media. What, what, who are the types of people you hear from after a game like that? Man, uh, old coaches, old friends from back home. We try to tell each other just to stick off of social media, but we also need to be building our brand. So, you know, kind of throwing a picture or two out there or saying something, kind of tweeting something out. But, to a um, certain local credit union. Matthew is <laughs> part of our family as well, which is awesome. But, yeah, I mean, just we, we really try to enjoy the moment, though. Like flying on the plane back, kind of we don't have Wi-Fi on the plane. It's just kind of we're all – trying to talk together, trying to build that connection, keep building that chemistry. And it's fun, you know. It's definitely a lot more fun going home with a W. But uh, just trying to communicate with each other and be like, oh, you know, I like this from the game. Or, hey, did you see this? Or did, did you guys actually see this moment when Foose fell down and then got up and blocked this guy? And it was just incredible, you know, just kind of reliving the moment of, of the wins um, that we get. It's, it's a special feeling. So that, that's probably mostly what we try to do but yeah definitely I hear from a lot of people from back home usually which is it's great to hear that you know lots of love how is NIL going for you it's going really well thankfully I mean it's a it's definitely a new world to every one of us just kind of navigating it but it's it's uh giving me a lot of good experience 
knowing kind of how to read through a contract, uh, no matter how long it is. I'm not the greatest reader or the fastest reader, but reading through a contract, knowing what questions to ask when I'm negotiating with a company, it's, it's been really fun for me. So you talked about defense, and you know, and and we said this in the first segment. You know, I had mentioned like we're going to all focus on the scoring the eighty-one points, but the fact that that the defense was as dominant as it was, holding a team that was averaging about eighty-seven to forty-nine and shooting as low as they did—that's really the story. And I know coaches will always say they want their team to be a defensive first team. Is BYU now a defensive team first? I think so. You know, we got guys one through five who can guard whoever, can can catch the move, can protect middle. Um, and then we can go rebound. And I think that's what where our re- energy really started was, you know, Oregon's a team where if they, they shoot from the perimeter, or they get middle and a, they miss a shot, they're all crashing. They're used to grabbing the rebounds and finishing on a, on a second, second shot attempt. But we were, we were able to, to hold them from that with, with first few minutes of the game. And I think that's what really helped us. And then we were able to protect middle and uh, we were just able to keep that momentum going. But definitely everybody can guard one through five, I think, on this team. What was the play of the game for you? Because we've been showing the Foose block where literally he falls down just for a degree of difficulty. He didn't even need to do it. And then he gets back up, blocks the guy's shot. Spencer Johnson behind the back to Gideon George. By the way, 45 seconds of highlights on SportsCenter. Wow. Night for a Tuesday night college basketball. That's pretty <laughs> wow. good. I would say Foose's play was probably my favorite play of the game. He's just... I don't think he realizes how good he is right now. And it is, it's, it's, it's incredible. He's going off all raw talent yes, right now. Yes, it's incredible. But he's just willing to learn. Every day he steps into practice, he's just so willing to learn, and I think that's why he's doing so well right now. There was another dude from Mali in Oregon. Did you hear any, uh, you know, native uh, language? No, uh, I did. Exchange. Oh, I was hoping there'd be a little <laughs> trash talk there. That'd, that'd be fun. Yeah, and the other night against San Diego State, we had uh, you know five African players combined, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. What What's it like with this group? Because every year you have to redo the best locker room in America with yeah. that group. Feels like you guys are super tight right now. You've had to overcome some adversity with no Richard Harward. But defensively, Gavin Baxter played one of his greatest games ever last night. Foose is coming along. Atiki's getting a few minutes here and there. Yeah. You know, it's the same message every year. You know, you got to put aside your own agenda, which is, I think, every guy on this team, it's it's a hard fight to fight. But being willing to put aside your own agenda, going into a game where you're on national television and you're playing the number 12 team in the country – to be able to do that, it's extremely hard. But the way that we did it last night and then kind of you saw everybody, I mean, through the through the roster, everybody had a really great game. And it's just fun to be a part of a team that just is so willing to, to be able to fight that every single day, no matter how much attention we're getting, um, especially on the national scale right now. Just being willing to just put your agenda aside and, and fight and be present in the moment. That's one thing that Coach Pope told us in the locker room before the game. Be present. Like, don't, don't lose this moment that you have right now walking into this game. And I think everybody, you know, you, you look around the locker room, everybody was bought in and, and they were locked into the scout on that game. Well, and I know that every game is supposed to take you into the next one and you just keep building off of it and building off of it. How do you take what you guys did against a ranked team and playing so well? How do you build off that and just keep that momentum going heading into Central Methodist? I think we take what worked for us, which is, you know, defense. Defense is what worked for us. I mean, we held them to 40-some points. We were able to protect middle. We were able to crash the glass really hard, which uh, we got some really incredible incredible rebounders on this team that have helped us so much um, in these first three games. But taking that, because defense wins games at the end of the day, and that's what our coaches preached to us, and it's been working for us. We're 3-0, and we're excited to keep this thing rolling.
You haven't given up, uh, you know, 61 points to anybody, <laughs> which is just incredible. Uh, considering you played three tournament teams, this is one of the tougher first three games for anybody in the country. Now you're going to have a target on your back next week. Uh, that's what happens when you beat the number 12 <laughs> team by 32. Are you ready to be a top 20 team and have that kind of target from now on the rest of the season? Definitely. You've earned that, I suppose, right? Definitely. I, I think that's where we grow the most, you know, having that target on our back, knowing every single team that comes into into the Marriott Center when we're on the road, they're they're aiming for us. And we do have a huge target on our back right now, but we're willing to take that challenge, and it's, it's only going to make us better as this year goes on. Are you? Uh, we had mentioned that uh, right after the show, BYU women's basketball will uh, will be in action against Arizona State. Are you going to be uh, you going to be heading over and watching the women's basketball team, or do you have class today? Definitely, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna go check them out right now. What, what what's what's been the conversation with your sister, who obviously is on the team, and just that dynamic having her here and you both in the programs? What what has that been like over the last couple months? Oh, it's it's been great. You know, we we live together, so we got a little bit of bickering going on every <laughs> night when we come home. But uh, it, it's just it's fun. You know, she's got a really competitive edge to her. Um, she's she's doing great in her classes right now. A lot smarter than me. You know, I think she's got straight A's across the board. But uh, it, it's fun just to be here with it, with your sibling and, and just to enjoy the moments that, that we get together and both playing basketball. It's, it's, it's really fun. That's pretty cool, man. Take me back to when some of your most frustrating, maybe even depressive moments at Arizona where you're like, I know that I can do more. Here you are now at BYU. You had one of your best showcases last night. Sean Farnham's like, if you didn't know Alex Barcelo, you will now, right? <laughs> What's that like for you? Because I know that you've worked extremely hard to go from that situation to this situation, which has put you in a very different place, not only on the court, but in your life. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I actually thought about that during the game last night just because Oregon's a Pac 12 team, played mm-hmm. in the Pac 12, and, you know, they still have the head coach uh, recruited me when I was in high school, one of their assistants recruited me. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was a good feeling to me just because I, I know. The confidence that I have right now, um, the, the the team that I have right now, the coaching staff, the the university, the fan base, it's just a whole different feel to me. And to be able to to have the opportunity that I have here at this university, to be able to to play with a team that's so locked in and so together, um, to play for a coaching staff as just as personal and as great as they are and as smart as they are um, with their scouts, it, it was just such a great feeling. I'm like, wow, this this really did a a whole uh, a whole turnaround for me and, and I'm just so so blessed and to see you know we were, we were on the road but it felt like a home game just like Gavin's tweet that you guys threw up it uh just the the support that we have across the country is unbelievable and I'm just so happy to be here at this university shout out to the 503 man and, and, <laughs> and the 360 who showed up from southwestern Washington I mean that was incredible well congratulations I know there's a lot of basketball still to be played but this was a huge win and you've come a long way uh it's awesome to have you man Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for coming in the studio like, like eight hours after <laughs> yeah. you were at the I got like two hours of sleep, maybe. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. We'll be good. Thanks, guys. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Initially, there were no spots on the women's soccer team for aspiring goalie Cassidy Smith, but after securing a spot on the team, it took five years to start two. This is Deep Blue featuring Cassidy Smith, presented by Brady Industries. Simply better. BYU soccer players were my idols. I would come to camp and 
I would talk about them nonstop. I had all their player cards, all the posters. They're just big role models for me, and I just saw how amazing they were, and I just wanted to be like them. Very end of my freshman year of high school, I injured my knee. It took me out for 11 months, had to get surgery, a piece of my femur bone broke off. The period that it happened was right in the prime recruiting period, right, as a sophomore, junior year of high school, and it brought an end to the recruiting. Called my dad, I think he was out of town at the time, and just cried to him. And he said, Cass, if this is what you want, you, like knows just a word. The next day I, I printed out my high school schedule, stapled it to a piece of cardboard, and then I stuck a fork in it. I wrote on the piece of paper, I said, I want to play for BYU so bad I can taste it. I remember receiving that in my office and taking it to my assistant, uh, Chris, who was our goalkeeper coach at the time, and, and just saying, wow, she's, she's fighting for this. She doesn't want uh, us to move forward without her. And, and so with that, you know, you always kept it in the back of our, of, of, of our mind of, hey, she's willing to do almost anything uh, to get our attention. I was told no, and then my younger sister, Ellie, they actually offered to Ellie um, a couple months later. And I was so excited for Ellie. She deserved it more than anyone. She's a baller in every sense. But that was hard. I remember just, it was the first taste of just being happy for someone else, right? So I'm going into my senior year. I had almost committed to BYU-Hawaii. That's where my sisters had gone. I remember going to my dad's office and just telling him, I was like, Dad, I, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. She came to me and said, uh, Dad, I really want to go to the BYU camp this summer. And I said, Cass, you know, <laughs> that ship has sailed, right? I mean, it was a great, it was a great try and it was uh, a great idea, but they've already recruited for your year. We didn't know she was coming to camp that summer and she did such an unbelievable job that we're like, she's too good not to give her this opportunity. After day three, coaches pulled me aside and offered me a spot. And I went out to the IPF parking lot and called my mom my mom and dad. Um, I was in Salt Lake with the other two of her sisters, their triplet sisters, at the time when we got the phone call. And we, she was, it was hard to understand what she was saying. She was so excited and emotional, which we all quickly became as well. Still to this day, like the happiest day um, to reach a goal like that, right? Um, and my mom, like, she's like, what's wrong, right? Like, what's injured? What did you do? I go, no, mom, um, I'm going to play for BYU. I redshirted my freshman year, and by the end of that, I tear my labrum, my first labrum. And I didn't know it at first. It just hurt. It was on a shot, and find out two months later that it was torn and I need surgery. That particular injury and surgery is a hard one to recover from because they put you in that big brace and uh, you're not allowed to run for months. It's like six months. You can't even, you know, get on a treadmill or jog. And then I come back after nine months. It took me a while to get in the swings. And then three months later, I'm in a spring game against UCLA and block a shot. And immediately my shoulder's gone. I remember walking off the field and being like, are you serious? That tear just felt overwhelming that it, we couldn't believe that after uh, her nine months and then being cleared for three months, strong, ready to go, this happens and she has to start over recovery all over again. 
Fast forward, I, I mean, I lost the starting spot. I battled for it coming back from that injury and tried my best. Coaches went with a different route. Um, so Sabrina was the one that played above me. She's amazing, like one of my best friends. Definitely wasn't easy and wasn't easy on our relationship for sure, but I'm so grateful for her and what she's taught me. She was a phenomenal goalkeeper. I think the fact that uh, Cass didn't become the number one goalkeeper allowed her to help push Sabrina to, that became uh, you know, a phenomenal goalkeeper for us for her junior and senior year. And then it's allowed Cass to be, you know, I think probably even a better leader. I got two weeks into my spring season after she left and started to feel my shoulder slipping again. And sure enough, um, tore that one after two weeks coming back. And again, I was saying, no way. And so I just decided I was going to gut it out. I was going to play and see what my shoulder would give me. Been rehabbing it for a year and a half now, just trying to get the most out of my VOU experience. I wasn't going to let a shoulder stop me. The girls take good care of Cass, and um, and you can kind of tell we're at the point now where we can tell when her shoulder's popped out, and the girls know what to do to try and pop it back in. Cass has learned to live with a lot of pain, um, but she loves the game. She wants to be the best for herself and for her teammates and, and ultimately for the program to, to represent. And uh, she's done a lot in that, in that sense. All growing up, these girls, they idolized these, these BYU women soccer players. Um, they were mentors to them and they looked up to them. And, and then to find herself in that role, uh, she's the one on the posters. She's the one uh, where they're reading her quotes and, and asking for her, her signature. And I think for her, it's added just a whole other dimension uh, to participating on this team and in this sport. Just because I'm out for nine months and I can't be playing soccer and doing what I love, like, doesn't mean my life isn't good. That kind of became my mantra through the next seven years was my life is good. And I truly believe that there is good things to find um, in whatever situation we're in. And I found it here at BYU. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It's time we give BYU men's basketball their due credit for a hard-fought, grinded-out win over San Diego State last Friday night in front of a raucous Marriott Center crowd. In fact, let's hear more from BYU head basketball coach Mark Pope about that battle. What an epic battle between two teams that are physical and committed to getting the glass and committed to guarding. This was a big time, big time, big time game between two great teams. How much does that win do for the status of BYU basketball? It's very early, but it feels like a big win. Hopefully it's at least a quad two. If San Diego State's not in the top 30, then it'll be a quad two, you know, 31 through 75 there. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be a quad two. I, I think it's a nice win. BYU is certainly on people's radar. Jeff Goodman, 17, and he catches 28 right now after a 2-0 start. And then BYU is going to play its third NCAA tournament team from last year in a row tomorrow night. Huge game against Oregon. If BYU beats Oregon, it will beat Central Methodist on Saturday. Top 25, man. Hey, BYU is probably going to have a quad three win with Cleveland State, quad two with San Diego State, and they'll have a quad one opportunity with Oregon. Yeah, top 50 is what Oregon needs to be by the end of the year. That will happen. 
yeah. Caleb Loner, by the way, um, introduction to the Merritt Center crowd, which is cool because last year he didn't get to see a full crowd. Here's what he said after me. Man, it was so fun. Like this, I think this is my first real Marriott Center experience. And so, I mean, I grew up watching BYU basketball. I didn't get to play last year because of COVID. So this is one, I'll remember this night for a long time. And then beating a team like San Diego State, one of the toughest teams in the country on the boards, like that's just a big, big win for BYU basketball. Hey, as Caleb had some obvious frustrations from the three-point line, he made some big plays down the stretch. His, Huge his, put back his, to put BYU like, up by three late. Like three minutes left. Yeah, yes, and then he was a beast on the boards as well, along yeah. with uh, Fusini Traore. San, San Diego State's so long and big that that was going to give BYU trouble. It, it didn't in the end. Like, it did in the final score. BYU had to grind it out, but BYU led for most of the game. Like, the Cougars made clutch plays down the stretch, man. Uh, I mentioned the three-point shooting struggles, and it wasn't just Caleb. It was pretty much everybody except for Alex Barcelo, who – he doesn't struggle with anything. Continues to do his thing. He struggles at not sucking. You know what I mean? Like he's been incredible to start the season yes. and last year and everything. I asked Mark Pope about the three-point struggles. This is what he said. Who needs threes, man? We're trying to grind it out. I actually loved the shots we got in the last 10 minutes of the game. I loved them. And so the way we play is like, the way we play is like, hey, we're gonna take the right shots all the time. And sometimes when they fall, it makes your life a little easier. And sometimes when they don't, you got to be tougher. And I'm so proud of this team's toughness, guys. And, and they don't do it without this amazing crowd. It's just uh, that's a really fun game. Well, there you go. Who just, needs Just threes? play defense and be tougher. Who four, needs threes? Typically, four for 18 would be rough for BYU, shooting 22%. But the good news is that San Diego State was three of 22. Mm-hmm. And it didn't expose, you know, it didn't change the game for either team. It was it was even that way. BYU is five for nineteen against Cleveland State, four for twenty two against San Diego State. Woof. Yeah, not great, but still two. Wins. Not great, Bob. Two wins. That is great. Yeah, that is great, Bob. I'm very encouraged because those shots when they fall, watch out. Hopefully they fall tomorrow night in the Moda Center. Watch out. Yeah, and hopefully that starts with Alex Barcelo, uh, who is uh, understandably excited about what happening at San Diego State, but focus on what's next. Here's Alex. It means a lot, you know, San Diego State's, they're a tournament team, we believe, and so is Cleveland State. So to have those two wins under our belt, it means a lot to us, but we know we got to get a lot better. And uh, we're, we're going to have to do that over, over the weekend. Uh, coming tomorrow, we're going to be really sore probably, but just battling through that and watching the film, knowing how to get better on, on what we did wrong, our mistakes today, and then moving on to Oregon on Tuesday. Oregon awaits at the Moda Center. Cannot wait for this matchup. Huge game tomorrow night. Mm. What a massive opportunity. And I will say this, because BYU beat Cleveland State and San Diego State, and we're kind of not expecting BYU to beat Oregon, if BYU loses that game, it's not like, a oh, no, there are no more opportunities. BYU has more opportunities, and they've taken care of business against a couple of good teams already. I would argue that perhaps Oregon's the second-best team BYU play all year, I think, right now. Obviously next to Gonzaga. Yes, and Gonzaga looked Unbelievable against Texas. Like I watched that whole game and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> they're they be they just they were up like thirty on Texas. Uh, they were incredible. Who, by the way, was the number five team in the was country. Number five. Now they're number eight. Yeah, yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. We are just all over the country. 
Uh, you're in Statesboro, Georgia. Our next guest is the individual NCAA cross-country champ. His name is Connor Mance, and he is rocking a stash. He is in a tent outside the course. Uh, Connor, you just told us during the break that you just finished your run. How was it? It was good. It was good. Now that now the tent's blowing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was great. Just going out and checking out the course. It's actually a really nice day. Um, it was a little warm the last time we came here, but right now it's like perfect weather. Connor, you're in Tallahassee, which is very different than Terre Haute, Indiana. Are you sad to not be in Terre Haute? Or are you okay with Tallahassee as the site of the national championship? I'm perfectly fine with Florida and Tallahassee. Terre Haute's, that was brutal. It was just so cold and like drenched to the bone. It was awful. But here in Tallahassee, it's nice, sunny, bright day, perfect weather. Can ask for anything more. Okay, t show us around what, what we're looking at here. What, what, what's around you? All, right. All right, I'll show you guys. Thank you. Um, so outside my tent, we got other tents. I don't know if you can see the course very well, but yeah. there's the course out there, and then here's the rest of the tents. Oh, I love it. Okay, so these are all the different teams hanging out? Yeah. Who's who's right next to you making all that noise? That's my teammates. I, I am in <laughs> It's not even right northern now. Arizona? Come on, man. No, it's not even northern Arizona. My, <laughs> you know, team teammates can be funny. They, they just like to make a lot of noise and play a lot of pranks, and this is their, their way of pranking me one last go. Hey, take, take, so. me, take us over there for just a second. Make sure they can hear. Take, take me over for a second. All right. All right. Yeah, I'll... I'll Hey, hey, fellas! Here, hey, one sec, one sec. Here, I'll I'll let you guys talk to him. Hey, hey, fellas, what's up? How we doing? Casey Clear, hey, what's up, doing? bro? Okay, li listen, hey, listen. I love you guys. You got to win an ad a natty tomorrow. Best of luck. We're looking forward to this. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Hey, and another thing, we're doing an interview with Connor here. We need some some quiet guys. I love you. They're not going to listen to me. We know that. We know that. No, they're not. I, they're still talking. They're not. You're like, hey, national champ over here. I got to do an interview. That's funny. They're they're the best. Okay, let's let's talk about oh, yeah. the positive pressure that you guys have had the last couple of years. You win a national championship as a team. You won individually. I know last year you guys wanted more. What's what's it like to balance those goals and ambitions with the pressure that you have on yourself, the pressure of the ranking, you're up to two, but also wanting to defend your national championship and win as a team? What's that like? It, it Honestly, I think the pressure is what makes things a little more tough this year than any other year. I think last year we kind of saw that on a team side, but individually I'm I'm beginning to finally feel it myself. Um, it's definitely tough. And I'd, I'd like to leave it at that, but in a better way of explaining it, I think our team um, feels the opposite. They're, they're, everyone's hungry, and I think I just need to you know, go with them and kind of hold that same uh, – have that same energy of wanting to go out there and prove that, you know, I – I am as good as um, I was last year, if not better, and I can compete just as well. And I think I just want to go out there and, I don't know, show them what I have. Connor, man.
Vance with us on BYU Sports Nation. He's in Tallahassee, Florida. BYU just finished up their practice run in preparation for the national championship cross-country meet tomorrow. Connor, clearly you're doing some things right mentally, and you've established yourself as the leader of this team. So what bits of advice are you sharing with your teammates that don't have as much experience as you in high-level and high-pressure runs like this? Um, I, a couple things I've shared the last few days are just like, it ends up being just another race. Um, I feel like a lot of people, they come into the national championship thinking, oh, because it's nationals, I'm going to have so much more energy. I'm so much more prepared. I'm so much more ready to race. But instead, I also think um, they need, I mean, yes, there's kind of that, but I'm telling people instead, you know, you get, you get two kilometers into that race, you get a mile in or whatever. And it just hurts just the same as any other race. And it's, it's the same. You're not going to be feeling any better than you did at the other meets. If anything, you're probably going to be feeling worse because everybody is, is trying to show up today. There's nobody who's, you know, dogging it or anything for any weird reason. This is nationals. This is the highest level. And so I'm just trying to tell them one, it's going to hurt more than any other race. And then I'm, I'm talking to them about, you know, you can't be, you can't expect to be like, oh, I have this magical feeling because it's nationals, because it's just going to be another race. That's good so, advice. So yeah. yeah, that's great advice because you're right. In, in this big moment, you feel like you have to do something different. It's like, no, no, no. You just need to do what you, the best that you can do of what you've been doing, right? Which is awesome. Okay, so do you feel like you can defend your national championship? You talked about the pressure that's on a little bit. It's different when the, the target's on your back, but that's a good thing because, hey, you're the champ, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this for, for a couple of weeks, and I was like, you know, like, is there really any other place I'd rather be? Like, would I rather not be the guy defending the national championship? Would I rather be, you know, the guy who took 10th last year trying to come back and win? And I'm like, you know, I just got to embrace it. And so I think I can. I think I'm mentally and physically stronger than I was last year. Um, significantly, so I think if I go out there and I just put it together like I've been doing all season, I'll be able to defend my national title. But you never know. Sometimes there's other good athletes who just have better days, and so I'm going to go out there and do what I can. But also, if I don't win, I'm not going to be too sad about it because I know how good the NCAA is this year. Connor, I know how much the team dynamic matters to you and obviously everyone that has worked so hard from BYU to get to this point. Northern Arizona has been your longtime rival. How would you explain that dynamic with Northern Arizona as the rival? So it's been kind of a weird team dynamic. These guys are really, um, really friendly to us now. I guess <laughs> I think there was like there's a long time where like it was like us butting heads all the time. But I think this this team that we have now and the team they have now is um, we're a lot more friendly. I don't know why exactly that is, just changing um, team dynamics on both sides, but we still see them as a big rival. We still see them as, you know, the team to beat. And we're going to go out there and do what we can, what we know we can do. I think, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise to see us at the top of the podium. It would be surprised to see, um, you know, as I think it, the goal is just get on the podium and if, you know, things go right, I wouldn't think it'd be a big surprise to see us on top. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. You guys have done that recently as well. And the women are trying to defend their national title. What do you expect from the ladies? Uh, the women always know how to show up. We have such an amazing, um, I mean, both men's and women's team, but the women's team this year has just been on fire from, I mean, 
last year's cross country nationals, which was in March, and then the outdoor nationals and indoor nationals, they've been they've been on fire. So I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I personally expect them to get the win, but you know, sometimes you know things don't go your way or other teams race better. But for me, I I expect them to go and get the win. I expect them to you know give us a lot of um, momentum heading into our or to our race. Well, it's going to be awesome, man. We're very excited for it. Tomorrow, uh, the NCAA Championships in Tallahassee. Best of luck. All the BYU Sports Nation karma we can certainly muster. And tell your team thanks for being a little more quiet so we can hear you a little better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Will do. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Connor. Connor Mance from Tallahassee, Florida. I'm telling you, this week we've never had a run of just like East Coast, East Coast, East Coast interviews. Everyone's everywhere. It's super fun. After you know, During the pandemic, we had to figure out different ways to do this. We've got video of people everywhere. This is awesome. I'm super excited for hopefully a couple of national championships, some individuals, some teams. Let's go, man. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.